see you. Good evening. Great to see you too. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. And we're going to bring uh, Paul Fanner as well, who is going to be hosting this uh, uh, webinar. And, and again, wow, the old, not the old team, but USM or like. We have some teams. Yes. Yeah, Yes. And and what is, you know, last year when, when you were on Race Industry Week with us and there was a panel of women in motorsport and you knew what you were doing, but you didn't say a word about it. And uh, <laughs> the next week I had a call from Beth said, I'm going to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, moving from ETS and running my own thing. And uh, <laughs> so yeah. congratulations. Yeah, I couldn't exactly let the cat out of the bag at the time. Um, and poor Paul, he didn't even know. And so then when we when I announced it shortly thereafter, he's like, really? Not even a hint during the emergency? <laughs> <laughs> Paul. Oh, well. Okay, well, enough said. On to you, ladies. And Mr. Thank you very Fanny, much. You're in charge. All right. Thank you. And thank you. That was a great seminar beforehand, too. On, uh, I, I just am so glad to see all of you. Um, it's not often I get to look in the faces of uh, history being made. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I think one of the things I want to do straight off, Beth, is go right to you and have you introduce your team. I want to congratulate everybody for changing the world last uh, May at, at the Indianapolis 500. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, I hopefully these little windows will because I realize we're very tiny, so hopefully everybody can see us. But um, so we have one person who was meant to be with us tonight who just called me moments ago, Isla Agrin, who was part of our team, was going to be part of the panel discussion, had to bow out because since racing always takes priority, she is at CODA right now about to get a seat fit done because she's racing this weekend. But Isla yes. acted, she um, she's a racing driver in her own right. She races in the W Series. She raced this year in the W Series. She also raced in an LMP3 car in the European Le Mans Series. And this weekend, she's going to be racing in a Hyundai with Brian Herta Autosport uh, at, for eight, eight hours on Saturday, eight hours on Sunday. But she's quite literally at the track right now about to get her seat fit. Her role with our team this year was a turn three spotter. And as you know, if you know, we have spotters at, at many races, but specifically at IMS, it's such a big facility. And, and she was always in Simona's ear. And I know Simona certainly appreciated that because there's something extra special about having a driver giving you, uh, giving you spotter information because they understand a place like the Speedway like no other. So wanna welcome uh, our, some of our teammates here. Just to be clear too, our team is 30 people and 20 of them are women uh for what so the effort that you saw this year we'll speak about it during our session tonight but our session was very much i mean our, our uh, team was very much co-ed um but 20 of out of 30 as for to, to be women on the team to have 70 percent of the team be women had never happened before and that's what we're most proud of um, and so I purposely, we wanted to have a, a cross section of an example of, um, of how many people we could, you know, kind of have share some of their experience of a little bit of how they got to where they are and what, what their experience was this year. And it's certainly better to hear them tell it than, um, than just, just me, because uh, they all kind of came to this in different pathways. And so I think that's what's the most fascinating. So we'll go around the room. We've got Madison Conrad, Linda Rosenberg, Maria Grady, Lauren Sullivan, and Mallory Muller. And um, we'll start, uh, Madison, if you want to introduce yourself and maybe your role on our team, but also what you do by day. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, so on the Fred Autosport team, I was a mechanic as well as the inside rear tire changer. 
So going over the wall, I'd never pitted a car before, so that was definitely quite an experience. Uh, but my day job is powertrain reliability specialist at Roush Yates Engines. Awesome. <laughs> Linda? Hi, I'm Linda Rosenberg, and I've actually known Beth um, when she was a client of mine, when she was heading up the whole SRT program. So I've been with her kind of on her journey ever since um, SRT through Grace and then now Peretta Autosport. So I am thrilled to be marketing and merchandising um, with the team and various production uh, things like that. And my day job is I'm a promotional products uh, branded merchandise salesperson, as well as I IndyCar spot for NBC Sports. So I help out in pit lane. So uh, pretty diverse, but long lengthy motorsports career. <laughs> Excellent, Maria. All right, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I've been part of the journey with Beth. We met at the Motorsport Hall of Fame um, when that was occurring in Detroit. Uh, I've been doing photographs for a long, long time. And interestingly enough, my very first job was with uh, Team Ray Hall when Bobby Ray Hall was in, still in the car and Brian Herta had just started driving. So this was really, truly living my dream at the Indy 500 this year. And what's your day job? Oh, wait, you're muted, you're muted. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, I work for Money Lion. And my day job is handling regulatory complaints filed with the federal authorities from uh, consumers. So, so it's, it's very interesting. It's like uh, being a detective. The funny also, thing I just have to perfect. add something, may I please? That's probably very helpful in dealing with racing drivers. Uh, yeah, it can. <laughs> There's a few Netflix specials about those sorts of things. The funny thing about uh, Money, Money Line was one of our sponsors this year, right? One of our, it was our major yeah. associate sponsor. They really embraced our team and our story. They they uh, invested in, in us and, and sort of the journey that we were on and created a, a TV spot that aired during the Indy 500. We actually shot it in April during the open test, right before the open test, because it was shot on site at the Speedway. And the funniest thing is just prior to that, Maria wound up, um, she didn't know about Moneyline until we made our announcement about them being a sponsor of the team. And, and literally through like a Google search, she's like, cause she you know, was working somewhere else. And she's like, they, they sound interesting. So it's sort of weirdly connected to the fact that Moneyline was our sponsor that Maria now works for them. So it's sort of a funny whole circle, full circle, you know, we, we have sponsors and employers here. Yeah, in our everything's business. connected, Beth. Right. <laughs> especially when it comes to you. Well, <laughs> true. Lauren? Yes, hi, I'm Lauren Sullivan, and I was the performance engineer for Pareto Autosport back in May at the Indy 500. I was supporting our primary race engineer, Raul Prados, and was helping him with data analysis. My day job, I actually work for Team Penske on the NASCAR side, doing wind tunnel testing and aerodynamics for them. Wow. Mallory. Thank you, Beth. Thanks for having me. Um, so with Peretta Autosport, I did pit setup and also aero screen tear off. And for my day job, I work in business development for a mental health group based out of California. So it might seem funny that these people have day jobs, right? And obviously what we're, we're building now, what I'm trying to build now is that we have a, a long-term presence in IndyCar and, and, you know, and, and beyond. 
And ideally, none of our team members will have to have day jobs because they'll day, their day job will be that they work for a racing team, whatever team that is, hopefully ours. But uh, it's interesting because everybody has had either a history touching racing that then led up the, them to us. And I think that's kind of the, the an interesting story is how everybody even heard of the opportunity. And then once the opportunity happened, because, it, you know, we were saying, joking about how a year ago we had this EPAR trade conversation about women in racing. And we had a wonderful cross-section again of people in different, touching different parts of the business. In fact, Isla, who's not with us tonight, she was representing the fact that she uh, runs HRX, you know, USA, which is, you know, fire suits and yeah. protective gear. Um, which is, you know, again, even though she's a, a racing driver, she, you know, obviously well suited to, no pun intended, well uh, positioned to um, to run that business and work with racers and teams to be able to then outfit us. In fact, we used HRX suits, right? Because you want to kind of always keep your, um, you know, keep your ecosystem healthy. And um, and bless her, we had an incident with suits coming, which we'll tell you later. That <laughs> I was a hero. Let's just say yeah, <laughs> because. Yeah. Uh, a carrier, which will not be named, who normally flies parcels from, imagine the handful of carriers that that could be, mm -hmm. we won't say who, but they were flying parcels from Europe, where most suits are made, these are made in Italy, to Indianapolis, um, because we needed our people to be wearing said suits uh, for the biggest day of our year, and um, half of them didn't arrive like four days before the event and poor isla i think was on the phone non-stop just tracking it down in addition to everything else that she was doing and it was this big thing and so the funniest thing, it's not funny it's funny now because we can look back at it um the punchline is the suits didn't arrive so if you look closely at any of the photos you're gonna see a couple of people thank god the most of the women's suits arrived but some of the men's didn't and so she literally isla thankfully had some extra suits you know at her home office and shipped them up from houston and so and we had to have them screened linda was in the thick of it with isla to get them screened with our sponsor logos so that they kind of looked the part and so if you look closely at photos you might see some people wearing black suits and white suits instead of the ones they were supposed to be which was red um so it's like the magic of television it looked okay but it was a disaster and the best was I think we got a call from the carrier who will remain nameless um, like two or three weeks later, like, great news, we found the box of the suits. <laughs> so yeah. basically, everybody had an awesome Halloween costume once that box yeah, arrived. Do, uh, but I just got to say, you know, these sorts of stories are small potatoes compared oh. to what actually happened. And I just have to say, if I've said it a couple of times during this week, you rocked it in terms of the metrics, in terms of the, the impact you had. Just in our world, Eraser, you, your team qualifying for the Indianapolis 500 exceeded the actual race day for the Indianapolis 500 when we had a four-time winner. That's amazing. I want everybody to think about that in terms of traffic, page views, activity around it, social media activity. That's simply stunning to me. So if you ever wondered if you did anything important in your life. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because people ask me, and I'm sure they ask the ladies, and this would be a great question for them, and I'd like to ask them, but people keep, kept asking me kind of when we were in it and soon after, like, did you guys realize what you did? And now, full disclosure, that was the point of why I've been working on this since the end of 2014. 
an initiative like this. And the impetus behind it was because I was working for a car company and I also worked in motorsport in that role and saw the potential, saw the value, also saw the commercial value of why we need to grow audiences. All of us do. Every team, every sponsor, every series, every venue, every promoter. All we do, all we all we do this for. Yes, everybody's in the, in the minutia of the setup of the car. Sure, it's to have good racing. It's to have competitive racing. But then take it, you know, the step further, the step further, and, and add, you know, the the ten thousand feet, twenty thousand feet, fifty thousand feet. But the the most important is. Uh, making sure that there's commercial value to it and how do we grow audiences and the way to grow audience is to have everybody want to watch it okay then what's everybody what does everybody mean and everybody should mean the same thing to everyone but it 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 now takes a concerted effort to make sure that everyone knows that they're invited and knows that they're included so while the immediate question is do you guys realize the impact that you had um I hope that there was impact. I will say though, on a micro level, while we while I was in the middle of it, I was just busy doing my job and trying to keep all the plates spinning. Um, and so in a lot of ways, although I knew what we were doing because it was the purpose of why we were there, for me, I don't think I understood the impact really because I was too close to it. And with every month of distance, and when, when I run into people who aren't racing fans who know about it or saw it, and as you say about the media, I mean, I know the media impressions because I get those reports. And it was 6.6 billion unheard of in racing. And the reason for that Only is because- 6.6 billion? I know, <laughs> the oxygen out of the room. And, and the reason for that is because it was in the Wall Street Journal and it was in People Magazine and it was on CBS Evening News. And that doesn't happen by accident. We had an amazing PR person in Susan Bradshaw Crowther that did all, all, all of our media that was external to the racing world. Our internal racing PRs, Barbara Burns, who's fantastic, who everybody knows. Amazing. Both of them are amazing. And, and but the ability to be on CNBC and talk about a race team that doesn't happen that often without effort. And so and we did that very much on purpose. But I'd like to ask, I mean, obviously, all of you have like the fun story for the week when for the for the year when you're talking to your family and friends. But what was the experience for everybody here, like while we're in it and then afterward looking back at it? I think the where it really stood out to me was when we all first walked out in our fire suits together um, and we started hearing these this cheering and we're like, oh, what's going on? Hmm. Like looking around, like what's going on? And then we kept walking. We heard more cheering and it was like following us kind of. Right. And so we still were totally oblivious, naive to the fact that people are cheering for our team. And one of the women kind of raised their hand and the crowd exploded. And we're like, oh, my gosh, they're cheering for our team. And it, it wasn't just for us, it was for the movement, it was for women in the sport, it was for the whole thing behind it. And that like, I get chills right now to this yeah, day. Just, that was a really powerful moment for me and the, the point where I realized like, okay, we're making an impact here. You did, and that was breathtaking because you could see some of this, you know, in the broadcast, you could see it when you, I was present in the environment on Carb Day, uh, you could feel this and you, you just described it beautifully, but you don't see that very often. This is yeah, it, it felt really special. It People really cheer did. for drivers often, but we had this. Um, we were we had a we every team kind of has a suite that they work out of, you know, their garage area that they work out of, and we kind of had this last 
kind of pep talk all together, um, you know, the team all in their in, in their fire suits. And um, and it was that, okay, we'd have to walk out to the grid now. And that like sort of the last pep talk of like, here we go, here goes nothing, um, let alone qualifying. Qualifying was a whole other story, but this was on race day. And um, yeah, I mean, it, the other thing too, just to put it in perspective, Madison, Mallory and Lauren, correct me if I'm wrong, but prior to like the open test, you guys hadn't ever even been at the speedway. So their first time That's correct. at the Speedway is part of an IndyCar team. And I have to I have to comment on that because the commercial shoot and that coincided with the first day of the test. And, you know, we had been reading their bios and seeing videos of them practicing at the shop. And but I don't think any of us had kind of any idea how this was really going to go down. What really kind of blew me away is that from that first day, from rolling out the car just for the commercial shoot, these women were so already ingrained and at home and like just showed ownership of their positions on that car. And the integration with the gentlemen on the team was just so fluid. It's as if they'd been doing it for a very long time and they'd been doing it for a half an hour when I got to witness that. And it was just... I realized then this is this is the real deal and this is pretty pretty intense in terms of anything I've seen in the sport. I'll be honest, I didn't know what to expect from you guys. It's an imposing place. It's huge, right? And it was one thing to be there in April because it was empty. And it's a, it's an amazing place that has this vibration to it even when it's empty. But as we got to May and we got closer and closer to race day, one of the things that I definitely was doing quietly was just keeping an eye on everybody to see if they were going to get overwhelmed because we i knew that we were going to have four women over the wall if everything went well right there's in indycar just as a reminder there's seven people that go over the wall there's seven positions that go over the wall by the rule book our goal was to have we knew that we had trained up and that we we are we knew our goal was to have four um in time could that be more sure but meaning for what we trained for we knew that we were going to have four over the wall now that's just over the wall the behind the wall positions are integral too. like everybody always keeps asking about over the wall but there's positions behind the wall that are completely critical in fact i had this one photo that's during the a live pit stop during the race and actually if you look at that photo i mean i can count and point out to you there are 11 women working in that photo that includes lauren that includes me right that includes maria who are in their role working in that in that pit stop photo but i was concerned as the crowd started to appear and get bigger and bigger as the days went on that the you know that women could get in their head a bit or be nervous or you know any of those things that might give them um kind of stage fright and have that maybe preclude them from being able to go over the wall safely and consistently and, and smoothly and that didn't happen i mean to linda's point and where we were in pit lane during the race we we're at the end of pit lane which is always a difficult spot, right? Because it's near pit in and a lot of stuff happens in pit in. And if you didn't watch this year's race, you can see it on demand on Peacock, but it was a crazy year for incidents happening in the beginning of pit lane. We had cars spinning, hitting the wall, coming in with no brake pressure, coming in too fast. And the way that everybody kept their wits about them was amazing. Yeah, and, and I, I have to say another thing is that, you know, I walked into your garage with you, Beth, on carb day. And it's a moment I'll keep, you know, it will be in my heart and mind forever because it was something I'd never seen before. And I've seen a lot of things in my 49 years in this business. 
but I looked around the garage, I saw one man. And I saw nothing but women working on a racing car preparing for the Indianapolis 500. It was breathtaking. And you know, and the men who worked with us were borrowed from Team Penske. I had three salaried people mm -hmm. that were borrowed, right? Lauren was one of them, Raul Prados and Michael Nelson. So Raul Prados is on their sports car team as an engineer. Michael Nelson is the competition, um, the head of competition for NASCAR, right? And I knew him from years ago when I worked with Penske with the Dodge program in NASCAR. So he was friendly, you know, like he was somebody that I already knew, right? Yeah. So that was that was comfortable. Um, and so the three salaried folks were lent to me by Penske. Everybody else who were Penske people that were were borrowed, we um, we. Uh, you know, they were all paid through our, you know, everything was, everybody was uh, paid for by this program. This is a full, uh, you know, fully functioning race program, right? So sponsorship comes in, which is the revenue. And then, you know, it works like a living, breathing team. So Penske, Roger Penske, and to just go back a second, we wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for the support of Roger Penske, just kind of giving us that shot in the arm, giving us those resources, allowing me to use his training, to use the shop in Mooresville to train these women up and use his, you know, having Sean Reinemann and, and honestly, Jefferson Hodges, who works for Roger Penske now is, is the person that connected us to a lot of these folks. But although everybody understandably pegs this to this, um, race for equality and change that was announced a year ago the reality is roger has been supportive of this since 2015 when i sat down with him then um respectfully the race for equality and change and what that is and where that's going and what it's supporting is a lot of stuff also behind the scenes that isn't necessarily fan forward it has to do with the things that are at the speedway and through indycar in total yeah um but this was not like a hey i need to check the box let me call Beth. We've been having this conversation for six years and he was going to support me back in 2015. And then we had a logistics uh, issue uh, that came up on his side that was uh, kind of insurmountable. And then, um, you know, I was going to try to put a team together in 16. And then at the 11th hour, we didn't have a chassis available. And that's a whole story, which uh, caught out other teams. I took some time off because of some family stuff. And then here, when I was ready to kind of take take a run at it, it was a short conversation with Roger because his headspace was already there. So I know people, it's very easy to connect dots and think that this was like, you know, oh, this is a nice thing to do. But no, this is something that Roger properly has supported for the right reasons for years. And I want to talk a little bit about just why he supports that, because I, you know, we just had a great session uh, with Jimmy McMillan uh, and George Tamayo, and uh, to me, this is what you did is illustrative of the greatest single opportunity for motorsports to grow exponentially. Uh, I'm looking at the future right now, and uh, I, I'm hoping hoping is my future because uh, I uh, I want what I saw happen that energy that surge of interest going to the a party on Memorial Day weekend and people actually caring about the Indy 500 and talking to me about it because of all of you uh, I didn't bring it up they bought it up uh, it's it's the most positive virus I could think of spreading <laughs> and you know and, and you you were all inside of it and lived it and you know I was 
around you, Beth, when you were trying to do this initially, and, and I know the struggles and the challenges you faced. I know that logistical challenge was incredibly frustrating for you. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you know, I, I, I think you were basically driving around going to people's shops and garages just looking at these remnants of race cars oh, trying to find that. a chassis. Yeah, shrapnel, like can I <laughs> I know, and it was maddening. Oh. Oh, but, yeah. but, you know, sometimes history being made is, has its own timetable. And all of you were living in that moment, and Mallory just gave this breathtaking description of what it was like to be in that. You know, that was a moment I think will be remembered for a long time when you walked out that day. That's, that's a moment the world changed. And what happened next when you started that race is another moment the world changed. Uh, and can you all just tell me what you were feeling and thinking? I'd like to hear from all of you what you were feeling and thinking as, you, as this was happening. Um, from my perspective, you lost your sound. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. David. From my perspective, because I've worked so many Indy 500s, I just had never experienced this kind of intensity. I would say the first time um, the car came in and I was shooting a pit stop, I looked at every single team member's face. And I cannot describe the intensity that I saw on these women's faces. Um, it was a very emotional moment for me because I've observed many, many pit stops. Yeah. But I think even before that, um, during practices, during um, the open test and so forth, when the car would roll in, and I started in my mind because I know what's supposed to happen on a pit stop. And I know I just watch the times get faster and faster and faster. But when you're in the midst of it, you don't have time to, to really think about it. But that that's what struck me. And then usually I was behind the team uh, or ahead of the team. And so I got to witness the waves of fans and just the emotional connection that the fans had with with our team. And it still almost brings me to tears to talk about it. That's, that's well, it how gets exciting and life-changing it You know, we've known each other for a while, Maria. You know, right. we worked together on, on, <laughs> yes, on other things. Racer, you know, and, and, and our, our, our the, your photographic contributions are always much appreciated. but. Uh, I'm so proud of you for being part of this. Uh, you're, you're a piece of us in this business. Uh, in this, well, thank this, you, Paul. <laughs> it, thank it, you it means so a much. lot to me. And, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm just, it, it's amazing because, you know, rather than simply taking the photograph, you are literally in that photograph now <laughs> as part of history. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's the joyful part of this. Yes. Anybody yeah. else? <laughs> yeah, me. It was uh, overwhelming in all the best ways. Um, to the point that, because I was still learning the IndyCar side of things since I come from NASCAR, I tried really hard to just like push everything, all the social media. Uh, my Facebook was blowing up. My phone was blowing up, especially during qualifying. Um, just ignore all of it, and, like head down and do my job and learn what I needed to learn. And then at night and stuff, when I could kind of take a breath. I kind of sit there and be like, what are we doing? Like you couldn't, in the moment, you couldn't grasp what was going on and the impact it was going to have. And starting to see stuff like young girls doing the Pareto side braid and stuff like that before the race had even happened was just like, okay, I expected a response like that maybe in a year or two, but you know, three days into this, 
kind of like, I don't have the capacity to process this right now. So I'm just going to set it aside. And afterwards, after we finish the race, then uh, I'll pick it back up. It's still coming in waves of when I see stuff online or down to, I was sending something to the ladies earlier this year and I didn't remember how to spell one of their last names. I'm like, well, I can just Google it because it's all online and <laughs> we're not Googleable. So. Lauren, yeah. why don't you tell everybody that what happened with the, what the side braid is and how that happened? So that didn't come from me. I believe that was from Andra uh, who started the side braid. She did it during pit practice. If I remember back, Madison might be able to explain better. Madison, if you want to take it. Uh, but we all ended up, most of us ended up doing it at some point. Yeah, say so it was kind of just a hairstyle, you know. I know men normally, you know, they don't have to think about what their hair looks like under their helmets, but, you know, we obviously did. And uh, so she started doing a side braid, uh, you know, just throughout pit practice. And then all of a sudden we saw on social media, a young girl had her asked her mom for the Peretta side braid. So, you know, we would do it. We would do each other's hair in the morning and, you know, kind of, it was kind of our thing, you know, uniform that makes us different, you know, even a little bit more different, right? You know, and that's something that most pit crew members don't have to think about, but we wanted to look just as good when we took our helmet off. So that's kind of how that was born. Yeah, and but you were you were in battle too. That's the thing yes. it really felt like, you know, you were you were in a war of, of speed and precision and, and you wanted to be competitive. It looked like you were there to to kick some butt. There were fans that just that the, the way that that side, you know how you can't really predict what people are going to embrace. And I think that because yeah. there were, what I had hoped with this is yes, I want young girls to see us and 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 aspire to maybe do this or pursue non-traditional careers or pursue careers in, in the STEM fields. Um, but realistically, it's, you know, I want every woman who's ever also been in motorsport to feel like they're part of this team. So if you're in motorsport in Europe and I want you to just realize like we're all in this together, we're all kind of going, you know, in the battle on, on the track together. And there were fans at the Detroit Grand Prix, which was two weeks after the Indy 500. There, I was at Nashville, I was at Long Beach, just there at the race to do things for different appearances. We had some things with Chevrolet and there were fans with the side braid, yeah. you know? So like it's stuck and it's so funny cause like you couldn't have made, you know, you couldn't have done that if you tried. I think, you know, I saw some questions come in about people asking, you know, what, what could young girl, young women do? And I think one of the other things that we could talk about our backgrounds, realistically, that's, it's important for young women to know what they can do, but I think it's also important for other teams to know what they can do to open yes. the door and create opportunity because it's not for a lack of interest. The interest will also come if the opportunities, you know, if the door is open for opportunities, then more people are going to maybe raise their hand because I think there's a lot of people not raising their hand because they don't know what's available to them. And that's really what the goal of our team is, is really just to be an example. One of my favorite things this year, um, and I saw it definitely in May and I saw it as the year went on, many other teams, but the women, they, uh, many other teams have a woman or two on their team. They were putting those women forward so that they were more visible and they hadn't necessarily been as visible. You're starting to see stories written about those women. That is fantastic. That is success. The, the goal isn't to have yeah. an all woman's team. The goal is to have women on all the teams. Yeah. That's the, well that's said. the secret, right? We want women on all the teams. We want people of color on all the teams. We just want everybody on all the teams. 
Um, so I, so although the question is what can young women do, it's just, you know, show up and be willing to take that entry level job of being a gopher like I started out, you know, out for race teams. But I think the, the bigger thing to talk about is, is to ask other team owners to hire people even in entry level positions and be willing to train them and give them opportunity if somebody has work ethic i mean listen these these women madison mallory can talk about their training on on learning how to do pit stops yes they had training on the nascar side but had never pitted they'd never pitted an indy car but they learned how to do it in five months and they did it well so you know if the idea is if the work ethic and the interest is there are people trainable? Sure. Yeah, I think you said to me when we were walking away from your garage that day, and I was moved. I was, uh, I will admit, I had a tear in my eye. And it got me. You know, I'm the father of uh, two daughters who I want everything to be possible for them in their lives. You know, right. one is, uh, wants to be an astronaut, and the other one uh, is a really talented artist and, and dreams of working in the entertainment business. I don't want there to be a barrier of any any sort. There shouldn't be. And you said, if you can see it, you can be it. Right. And I, I, I remember just, I was a, a slightly different human being when I exited that garage. I, I literally, there was before that moment and forever after, the rest of what I will experience in racing, because I now know you're inevitable, and what you're doing is inevitable. Um, and I, I, and I think that you know, Linda, I've known you uh, for a good part of this journey. You know, I think you were seven when I first met you working. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for for uh, uh, Chip Ganassi Racing Teams, uh, but you know, I, I think that one of the things we've seen great change around the, the time we've been here. Um, and, and what is the thing you, you know, you're, you're a true veteran in this business. What, what was the thing you took away from this moment? Well, it's kind of funny you brought that up because when I first started really, you know, I started in the sport as on the promoter side, but when I, Chips was the first team that I came to, I, I had a team position where I helped manage, um, the sponsorships target had just come on board and it was kind of making sure hospitality and sponsor activation and all the things were happening. And I loved it and merchandising and all of those. But as I continued, I wasn't sure where I was going to grow after that. You know, it wasn't, um, you know, this was back in the early 90s. And I just didn't know, like, you know, I I joke about it all the time because I'm like, well, really, where is this team going? And and now I rue the day every time (laughs) she wins everything. Because I actually left um, right before win number one, you know, to pursue some entrepreneurial dreams, but at the same time stayed in the sport. And I see now colleagues of mine, um, people capable of being team managers, you know, I I see it a lot from the business side. And so knowing Beth through all these years and, and watching her from to, you know, become an owner, that for me is also um, the most amazing part of this. And seeing that the positions, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the women over the wall and, and doing what they did is beyond. But I think that people aren't realizing, too, what's happening on the business side. And that yeah. women owners, women team managers, I know there's several capable people that we have in our paddock right now. And as a result, the sponsorship is changing. You know, back in the day, too, it was beer and tobacco, and it was kind of considered a men's kind of sport, if you will. And that's changed so much in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. So when I look at our sponsors, Rocket Mortgage and Money Lion, um, 
targeting women brands, you know, and financial literacy for women. And so watching this whole dynamic change literally and being on the tail end of it for me is, is pretty empowering um, to kind of watch that. Absolutely. And you described this very, very well, Linda, because it, uh, that what the, the world you talked about doesn't exist anymore. Um, I live in a world that's very different. Uh, you know, I, I live in a household controlled and run by women, all buying decisions, all significant decisions of where vacations are taken, what cars we drive. Uh, my middle school daughter picked my car out and handed me a sheet of paper telling me what I was going to buy. So, you know, I, I, I think that we live in a world where these things are happening around us. And racing is one of the few uh, uh, places, I think, where every, it's an athletic endeavor, but there is no physical barrier to competing absolutely at every level for the highest possible result in anything, period. Someone, you know, it doesn't matter how big or small you are, probably the smaller you are, the better you are for being a racing driver. Uh, but I think ultimately, uh, there's no reason why, you know, my favorite thought here, and we talked about this, Beth, this is something you've always talked about, is having a Borg, the Borg Warner have a woman's face on it. Right, exactly. I think the other critical thing too is I think there have been many efforts over the years about getting more women as drivers and that's an and that's a noble pursuit but as I'm fond of saying like our team is 30 people yes. one of them is a driver 29 aren't and uh, for the Indy 500 to use that example there's 33 drivers but if you look at all the teams that's hundreds and hundreds of people that are working that day and those are careers those are people that are paying their mortgages and have dental insurance because this is their job and let alone the facility you know you want to then you know exponentially if you look at racing as an industry there's many 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 things to do and you can have a long storied career um, but like, you know, what I love, like Lauren can speak to also what she did before she got into racing. And what I love is the transferable skill. We talk about it, but it's very real. And the funniest thing is when I first met Lauren, I used to give this talk because I, I do a lot of stuff. Yes, I've been working on the team nonstop, but behind the scenes, I do a lot of stuff with, with mentoring and girls and, and educators and helping with curriculum. And so you know, even when you don't see me for a couple of years, it doesn't mean that I'm not working, you know, nonstop on, on these things. And it's funny because I used to use this analogy about you could work for a racing team and then you could go work for X company. Maybe if you're an aero engineer, you can go do this. I meet Lauren and she literally has the background that I used to like describe as like fictional. And so as soon as she said, it, I'm like, you're my proof of concept. And I, I gave her a virtual hug. <laughs> Lauren, explain please. Yeah, uh, so between college and uh, getting hired on at Penske in 2015, I actually was a wind tunnel test engineer for Boeing, the aircraft maker. And I wasn't on the commercial side, I was actually on the defense side. But I definitely tested aircraft for about five years before jumping over to motorsports. See that? And we always say an Indy car is an upside down plane, so she just Very had to take her notes and <laughs> flip them. <laughs> Also, tell what what did you think of um, because obviously you've been in the NASCAR wind tunnel testing. What did you think of uh, why? What did you? What was your first impression of IndyCar when you kind of were able to find fully live and breathe it kind of intensely there for a couple months? It is a beautiful engineering beast. Um, that is for sure. I fell in love with it actually. Um, coming back from the open test, my husband used to work in IndyCar, and he's told me for years like. You should try IndyCar, you should try IndyCar. And I grew up with NASCAR, so NASCAR has a special place in my heart. 
And when I came back from the open test, I looked at him and I was like, I think I got bit by the IndyCar bug. And <laughs> I want to do this more in the future. <laughs> There's no shake in it either, I've got to warn you. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're in There's it. There's no shake in that one. Uh, and, you know, I first off, you, all of you speak with such passion about what you did. Um, that in itself is inspiring. Um, uh, how has it changed you? And I'd like to hear from each of you if I could ask you, how has it changed you? Uh, I also just mentioned Mallory is a mom and the amount of commitment that she had to take every week in the training. Yeah. Mallory lives in Florida and the training was in North Carolina and she literally left her family every wow. week to go because they were training at 5 a.m. And but it was four days in a row. And so Mallory left her four year old daughter at the time to commit to this. Mallory. Yes. <laughs> in fact, when I was having my intro calls with um, our coach, Sean, he was like, OK, but like you realize this is a commitment. I'm like, no, I know I'm signed up. I understand what, <laughs> what I'm signing myself up for. But it really was a testament to my family, my husband bless him. He was so kind. Luckily, he's a huge motorsport fan. So it was like not as hard to convince him to help. But um, he was key to me being able to do a, do this. Um, my mother in law flew out from California for a week to help my my mom um, drove from Jacksonville multiple weeks to help too. So it like it's so cheesy, but it does take a village and to I think what changed me is I was um, having a daughter, I was very just all focused in on her. My life was on hold and having this experience made me realize like if you have a solid support system and people who care about your dreams, uh, anything is possible. And that's what I took away. And now I'm able to like go to the gym without feeling guilty, you know, now, because yeah. I know that she is loved and cared for and well taken care of. Um, even when mommy isn't there every second of the day. So that, that, that was really powerful for me and I think our family in general. And tell everybody what your motorsport background was prior to working with us. So I came to motorsport as a fan and as an athlete. So I went to, there is a pit crew school, NASCAR pit crew school, stock car um, in Mooresville. And when I was living in North Carolina, I trained there for about a year or so. And to your early, earlier point, um, Paul, there was uh, there weren't the opportunities, and so I did exactly what Beth said and was like, well, I don't really see any future here for me for a woman in this sport. Like, I guess I'll like put the dream aside. And then years later, when my coach at the pit crew school called and was like, hey, I have this opportunity, I like I cannot tell you how fast I sprinted over to my husband. I was like, I have to do this. <laughs> Yeah, you were ready. <laughs> yes, and and that's and so uh, back to the question of like how what can young girls do, and it was just being prepared for the opportunity. So it's never you can work and work and work and and strive and get to, towards this goal, and it you feel like it's not happening, but if you're ready and the opportunity comes, you can say yes. And and I was ready to say yes because I had always I had always kept my body in in physical shape, and I had always wanted to pursue this dream, and so I was able to say yes. Well, you touch on something I think I'd like to illuminate as we're going forward. You know, uh, um, my, my wife tells me, you know, I, sometimes she calls me chicken little because the sky is falling. I can be negative. But she also says, you know, um, the universe is speaking to you. It's up to you to listen mm -hmm. and show up for your life. You know, yes. show up. It's speaking to you. Show up. Do it. Um, 
and I think something called all of you to this. Uh, uh, so as we go through, I'd li I just think this is really inspiring to hear. Who, who would like to go next? I'll go. Uh, so, you know, after Indy, you know, being involved in motorsports on the NASCAR side a little bit on the engine side, you know, you kind of, you know, the, you know, there's women around, like Beth had kind of mentioned, not as visible, I guess. And um, you got to know, but after Indy and, you know, a month later, it just left me feeling so inspired to, you know, do more and to create more awareness for women in the motorsports and to highlight these women that are currently working and doing the thing for years, right? And just left me like really, you know, wanting to do more for women and, you know, to make sure that this isn't a once a year thing. And, you know, eventually I don't want this to be a headline, you know, I want this to just kind of be, yeah, they're in the Indy 500. So definitely left me very inspired, you know, wanting to do more. Yes, and, and I'm with you on all of that. <laughs> I second that. That's all those statements. So let's 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 keep going. Yeah, I'll uh, second that, Madison. Too. I, I'll say after the 500, I kind of realized the calling on my life I wasn't really aware of, and that was using the platforms I have to empower and lead the generations behind me um, and the ladies that are coming up through. And that's kind of been a focus since then is getting more engaged with. I've always loved outreach and always um, welcomed every opportunity to do outreach. But now I'm chasing after those opportunities as well as um, asking for those opportunities uh, instead of just sitting idly by and waiting for them to come to me. I, I'm, I'm embracing that calling on my life now as a result of the Indy 500 with Beth. Yes, and just think uh, all the places you can go and all the things you will do now. Um, uh, yeah. Anybody else here? Um, I will say this, um, I've always known this or always believed it, but didn't always follow through with it. But it is follow your passion, whatever you're passionate about. Um, you never know where it can lead. All I ever wanted was to have one photo published. That's how it started out when I was volunteering at the track building tire walls. And it led me to this. So. Yes, and, I, that and I've got to say that uh, your your passion brims over when we're at the track. I have a favorite photo of us together on the grid at the Indianapolis 500. Oh yeah, that, that's one of my favorite too. Uh, it's on my phone the, right The now. joy in your eyes and you're, you're just full of joy in that moment. And uh, uh, there's a gravity to your uh, enthusiasm uh, that I, I'm grateful for in my life. Thank you, Maria. Well, well thank you, Paul. I'm living my dream. <laughs> it shows. <laughs> Everybody um, has to, uh, I don't know, we kind of take photographers for granted and there's so, you know, uh, not everybody's able to be at the speedway or even if you're at the speedway, you're in the stands and you see what you, you know, what you see, but we look back at the photos, whether in are in Racer Magazine online or, you know, anything. And that's how we keep those memories and those, and they bring us back. And it's the, the photographers are so tireless. I mean, I don't even want to say how, how long your days are, Maria, because you're there well before we get there and you're there well after we leave. And they're, it's brutal. They're running around with how many, you know, pounds of equipment on, but I, you know, my desktop photo on my, my laptop and everything else, it's because of you and the way that you, you specifically are very, good at you capture people 
you capture people and their emotion and you know taking pictures of cars is great but the pictures of our you know our team over the wall or with grease on their faces that's really i think what people connect to and it helps us tell our story and i want to i mean i've thanked you you know first privately but i want to thank you in front of everybody else because your work is fantastic and absolutely we, we lived through the race over and over again in those moments all this year because of your lens. Well, thank you. And it take, going back to it takes a village and I have a great village that helps me, supports me at all of the tracks as well. So, thank you. And Linda, you've, see, you've been on championship winning teams. You've, you've seen all of this from the inside and from the outside. I'll tell you what was interesting because, you know, in my work for NBC, which I am grateful that I get to do that and I get like the inside view of watching this this type of emotion in these things with all the teams. I mean, you know, IndyCar racing, especially the Indy 500, you know, there's 33 you know, documentaries going on at the same time because everybody's got different stories and, and turning points and how they got there, even the even the top teams. So there's there's so much there. And it was it was hard for me because while I was working pit lane, I wasn't able to be in our pit. And in fact, I was positioned all the way at the opposite end of pit lane during the race. So it was a little crazy, as was qualifying. But it was amazing to see, you know, the to, to, to be able to witness that from behind the scenes and be a part of it. And, and it's just, you know, not only do I see that this, you know, it helps attract women to the sport and, and all of those things, but I think that it also helps to really elevate and bring eyes to IndyCar racing, which is such an amazing sport and what all of these teams do and all of the, all of the drivers, all of the crew people, I don't think people can properly understand it until they understand the journey to get there and, and what that looks like. And as I always kind of, you know, belabor this with Beth, I said, our story is not just the race, it's the race to get on the grid. You know, it's raising the money, trying to make people understand, well, why this sport? What yeah, what is yeah. is it a sport? You know, that we get that all the time. I mean, you've been there, you know, I've been in this sport probably longer than most of these young ladies are old, but it's <laughs> um I've watched it, you know, really evolve and I still am passionate about you guys. This is this is one of the best, it's a the best hospitality sell in sports because the experience of being at an IndyCar race and being with that athlete, you know seconds before they're getting in the car is like being on a football field during the snap you know yeah. so we provide such an amazing product and the more that we can do to broaden that you know to wider audiences for me being part of that and this team is such a you know and everything that all the teams are doing is is really um special and and needed and we need to support this for everybody absolutely, absolutely. and really well said you bring up a lot of things that are contextual here as to why your team brings so much value to the sport overall and in particular to IndyCar and the Indy 500. And Beth, my first moment I met you, literally the first time I laid eyes on you, <laughs> you turned and faced me wearing a fire suit on a very hot day as you were about to lead the SRT Viper team. It was 102 degrees the first in race, And you turned away from your team meeting. It was 102 degrees though, like a fire suit with 102 degrees. It's yes, uh, and I, you know, it was you had me at hello, uh, <laughs> but I I've got to say, you know, we, there's two parts to this next question, and it's it's for you. Um, 
you know, how did this change you and how are you going to continue to change the sport and the world uh, going forward? I think I think the thing for us and one of the things that the, the two things that are probably most important to me from the beginning of this was to lift the veil on all the roles and why women can do all of these things um, and to show everything that's going on in the track. The other thing that I think is really critical is that we all like each other. We are not in competition with each other and women and other women's programs and other women's, I understand racers on the track. Yes, let's battle it out and let's have our elbows out for sure. That's what we do. But as soon as the checkered flag falls, we're all in this together. We're all better together. We're all stronger together. And I think you see that in corporate America, my background is corporate, right? And you see women competing against each other instead of competing against the general population as like my company against your company because we're trying to you know have the best product to market and how soon we can make it to market but i think that's something that has been tough for women over the years because if if you're talking about a board of directors there might have been one seat that was for a lady and so you'd have five women elbows out with each other instead of saying hang on we need to have more seats at the table and so i think the more that we also show us working together also working together with men and that it's healthy and and you know we're all just better together and i think we need to stop this idea of one initiative is these aren't either or scenarios these are and just stop saying either or or and just start saying yes and and we're all together and that's how we're going to get anywhere and i say that for every you know every initiative every everything around the world to get more women more people of color all of it's good you know so Let's just lift each other up. And if somebody calls and needs a favor and you can help them, say yes. And that's, I think, what really struck me about this too, being around uh, some of you during that month and watching what happened here and watching the gravity, the emotional gravity of what you were doing was really strong. It, 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 it transcended the uh, Indy 500 in a sense that it became a story uh, on, uh, on the stage of humanity. Mm-hmm. This was something that was in real contrast. This is a place where there was still contrast to be able to tell this story. And we're all in a race against time. We only have so much time on this earth. Um, and you know, my time in this sport, I saw my first full year of employment in this sport. Uh, on a very tragic day, Lowell Lombardi scored a half point uh, in April of 1975 when I was a young guy. And there hasn't been a sc- any point scoring in a woman in Formula One since. I was around when Janet Guthrie raced at Indy. I was right. there when Lynn St. James out-qualified Nigel Mansell, the reigning IndyCar champion. Right. Uh, I've I, I seen these moments, but this one felt different to me because this, there was a completeness to this moment, and I want more. I want, to see, I want more. So what happens next? Uh. If I had a nickel for every time I got that question. Um, <laughs> You'd be on the grid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I would. I'd be on the grid. Um, we have a, uh, it's too early to uh, confirm some stuff, but I've got some, I've got some good stuff. For, you know what? It, it's the timing, right? Like just like last year, I was like, oh yeah, I don't know what the future's going to hold, Paul. <laughs> 
you know, we're kind of in that same boat. So I wish I could tell you, but maybe if you had your EPAR trade at the end of January instead of... <laughs> Don't tempt me. Um, uh, right. I, 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 I'm really curious about this because I don't think we can go back to not having you there. Um, there no, and I agree, and obviously I'm biased, but um, yeah, I mean, it would be really awful if we weren't on the grid. Again, attempting to qualify. I'm not saying that, you know, I mean... It, it, you earned your way in. You earned your way in. That was probably... Oh, God. Simona. Was an incredibly dramatic uh, Simona uh, moment. earned our way in. The car had no business being on the grid. Yeah. It didn't. I mean, the, the setup of the car, Lauren, you guys can speak to this. She had no grip. And there were some other things going on. Um, you saw it because Will Power actually had that was kind of in the same same problem. Yeah, they were you were within a hair of a, a fraction of a second of each other. And, and, and for everybody to remember, remind everybody, Will Power's won the thing. I mean, he's a wheel man. And um, Simona got us into that race because of her skill. Yes, and she's amazing. And and uh, you know, before she's we go, I I nice. just have to say that that this has been a you know. A joy to be with you all tonight. This is uh, this is my present in the center of this, um, and it's a it's a pleasure to know all of you. Uh, and I want to see you on the grid at the Indianapolis 500 more than anything this coming year. Hopefully, uh, you'll see us on more grids. Um, yes. And hopefully, you'll see all of these ladies and more in this jersey again. Well, you know, Godspeed, Perrette Autosport, and all the good women and men who make this team happen. That's what we want, Ben. That's what we want. The concept for EPAR trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for EPAR trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on the request more information if it's a company, you click on request more information and then from there it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At epartrade there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your workday in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of EPAR trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. EPAR trade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. There are two types of people, 
racers, and everyone else. Racer Magazine is for those who believe that racing is a way of life. Racer embodies the excellence that defines a sport driven by passion, courage, and ingenuity. Get one year of both Racer's print and digital edition for only $39 with instant access to our entire digital issue archive. Subscribe now at info.racer.com.